Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome back to another Enneagram podcast. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Ryan, and I've got my co-host Cody here still uh, in my office. We're actually face-to-face. There's no lag between us because of bad internet connections or anything like that, so it's it's pretty great. Um, Cody, you ready to finish out this list? Man, I'm so pumped about this. Yeah, it's it's gone well. I've enjoyed this so far. If you are just tuning into this, you need to know that this is the third episode in a string of episodes where we're talking about nine healthy marks or nine marks of a healthy team. And so if you haven't listened to the first two episodes in this series, you're going to want to go back and listen to those and then come back to this one because everything we're talking about now builds on on those two. And so, yeah, make sure to do that and then come back to this one. And so, yeah, we're going to finish this out today. The last time we ended with talking about the sixth one, which was trust. Before that, we talked about integrity, service, efficiency, honesty and learning and so our next one here is number seven it's about innovation right Mm -hmm. as a a healthy a mark of a healthy team innovation be open to new ideas and taking risks Mm. what do you think that means in in practicality and why is that important the idea of being open to new ideas and taking risk um I, i think is so special and so huge for a team um when you you step into an office and there's not this like almost like um uh tension of we've got to do this or we're going to fail hmm. like or basically being locked in or boxed in as an organization but having a team and a leader being willing to hey guys what if we what if we tried this a new way what if we um got innovative and and tried to think outside the box. Um there's something really like inspiring about that. There's something really encouraging when you're being led by somebody like that or mm. when you're a part of a team like that. Mm. Um because I don't know, it's kind of the adventure. It's kind of the um oh, like sweet, like I we've been doing this this way um and it's got us this far, but it kind of lines up with some of these other values of like the learning and, and the integrity of like, let's try to make it better. Let's, mm. let's go the extra mile. Um, and I identify as a type seven. And so there's a the things right. that um, I, I've seen in myself as I've tried to step into leadership is okay. I think sometimes people come in to say working for a camp yeah, and they kind of have this expectation of what they think it could be. And they're excited about it. But yeah. what if I could through innovation maybe uh, bring something new to the picture that would even take their passion and drive to the, ne- to mm-hmm. the next level. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of taking risk, I think there's so many organizations that limit themselves for the fear of like what could happen or the mm-hmm. fear of risk. Um, but I think like we all know and have experienced that um, if you don't risk it, you get no biscuit you know, kind of <laughs> idea yeah. of um, yeah. you've got to be willing to, to, take that step to take that kind of leap of faith, um, to, to kind of, yeah, step into the unknown. 
um, and to see those results that you're not just going to get by the typical day to day. Um, you know, for people that let's say are wanting to lose weight or the people that are wanting to like run a marathon or the people that are wanting to learn that new craft or hobby, mm-hmm. you're going to have to step into uncharted waters yeah. to be able to see the um, development that, that you aim to see. So I'm going to press into this one just a little bit more because I know it's an area for you that, I mean, like you said, you're seven, this is kind of, you know, runs in your blood a little bit. Uh, and one of the things I know you do like mountain biking, mm-hmm. I, we haven't talked about this ahead of time, but I think this will work uh, well. So how would you coach somebody maybe that was trying to learn how to ride a mountain bike, hit some trails, mm-hmm. things like that, that is really apprehensive and afraid to take some risks? Like, what would you say to a person like that? How, how do you coach someone mm-hmm. in to be more willing to take risks? Oh, this is, you just teed me up. This okay, is super good, fun. good, good. So I've actually used this uh, kind of analogy before, um, is that in mountain biking, um, you'll watch somebody and you can so easily tell whether they're a beginner, or whether they're like an intermediate or advanced rider uh-huh. based off of like where they're looking as they ride. Okay. So an intermediate to beginner rider is going to look about, let's say one to five feet ahead of them. Right. Because they're so nervous about like what's coming up, yeah. um, what's ahead, but because they're vision is so short um kind of short-sighted is that you'll watch them they'll be super shaky they'll be super rigid um because they're having to respond to things so quickly right Um, they're almost unprepared and so i know that they think that they're being safe Mm -hmm. but what they're actually doing is limiting themselves and they're and they're giving themselves less time to react and respond to the obstacles in the trail right an advanced rider is going to look about 10 to 12 feet up ahead of them um, because it lets them relax. It lets them kind of loosen up a little bit and enjoy the flow of the trail Hmm. because they can see what's coming. They can kind of create a plan um, and then, yeah, even maybe get to look around and see more of the trail than having to look straight down and focus on the rocks ahead of them. Um, And so I've just seen that in, um, say, my own leadership is that there's been this kind of both sides of the coin. I've looked way too far into the future right. where I missed the boulder that's coming up <laughs> on my left. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I've stared two feet ahead of me to where I also can't see the boulder that's coming. Yeah. Um, and I'm like shaky and I'm unprepared and I'm um, almost like too boxed in and rigid to be able to really enjoy the process or, yeah. the, or the journey. So there's a sweet spot in there to where hmm. you look ahead, you get to see more of the trail, enjoy more of the trail, but in the meantime, you also get to create a plan um, for what's ahead of you and get to see where you're going. So I, I like that. I'm going to try to translate it into more of a like team business you know, sure. kind of stuff. Are you saying like taking your eyes off of the 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 right now immediate potential for what could go wrong? Mm. Is that what allows you to take more risks in the moment? I think so. I I think you're basically what you're doing is you're you're missing out on certain things. You're um, by focusing only on like what's right in front of you. Um, basically, you're just trying to make it down the trail. Like yeah. you're trying to survive. Yeah. Versus really getting to thrive and try new things because that's another thing about mountain biking is if you ride the same trail over and over and over with your head locked down one to two three like one to one to two like uh feet ahead of you uh-huh. is there there's certain parts of the trail you're never going to actually see huh. like i've noticed myself as i've 
um, you know, out in California, there's a trail um, down by camp. Um, I've probably ridden this trail 20 times now. Yeah. And every time I go out now, I see something new because mm. I'm getting more familiar with it. And I'm right. actually getting to lift my head up even more. So I think if I'm trying to translate that to um, business and leadership and things like that, is that by looking up and looking farther out, um, I see more possibilities. Mm. I see more opportunities. I see more potential outcomes. And now what I can do is create a game plan and maybe even see some of the obstacles that could come along the way mm -hmm. um, and and do what's appropriate and necessary to get to where I want to get um, versus just simply surviving and right. hoping that I don't smash into a tree. Well, and the other thing I like about that is, you know, you talked about getting more comfortable on trails that you've ridden before. Mm -hmm. And to me, that talks about like, you know, taking a risk the first time might be a lot more difficult but mm -hmm. eventually when you ride that trail as mm -hmm. you said enough times the things that you once considered risks don't yep. feel very risky anymore mm -hmm. uh, and they they become normal mm -hmm. i so as you were talking i was thinking about uh, a little bit of my own similar stuff I, and probably a lot of people don't know this but i've had a little bit of a history in skateboarding okay did you know that i did not know okay. this uh, so i still actually have a board out in my garage right now uh that that i've had for quite a while but you know skateboarding it's always funny if i ever jump on one because people are like oh you can ride a skateboard well okay i didn't know that uh and but what i know about skateboarding is if you go into it timidly and just try to like barely do something mm. you're going to fall yep uh, skateboarding, and I think there's a lot of sports like this, whether it's snowboarding, skiing, uh, things like that, where mm. you kind of have to really lean into it for sure, or else you're going to not gather enough speed or mm -hmm. momentum or yeah. whatever it is. I think about if you ever see people dropping into bowls when they're skateboarding, right? Like yeah. big empty swimming pools or yep. things like that. It's like the scariest thing on the it's planet, terrifying. right? But if you like hold back the board's going to run away from you and you're going to fall and smash your head. Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to put all of your weight forward and mm -hmm. take that risk. And in that risk is safety. Yep. That's what's crazy about yeah. it. The riskiest thing you can do is almost risk it, mm. but not actually go in for, for it. For sure. It's much safer to put all your weight forward. Yep. That's that's where mm -hmm. it can actually work, where the physics work together. Absolutely. The other thought I had uh, kind of connected to that was, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of going and seeing people do karaoke, right? <laughs> uh, but so I, I don't do karaoke. I'd be terrible at it. And I can explain why. I just figured it out as we were talking is that I would not be able to go all in. Right, it's t it's scary, and and that's the worst kind of karaoke performer. Somebody who gets up there and like doesn't put their whole self into it. For sure, that's like everybody in the crowd's just groaning, like, "Oh, this is this is bad." Mm. But what's incredible? There, there's two ways that karaoke goes really well, and one of them is if you're an incredibly good singer and you get up there and you just kill it, mm -hmm. right? And everybody in the place is just like giving you an applause because it was amazing. Yeah. The other type of incredibly enjoyable karaoke is somebody who is not a good singer and gives it 110% exactly. anyway and just has so much freaking fun with it. Yes. I've been in those situations where it's a terrible singer, yes. but they like just leave it all out there on Absolutely. the stage and enjoy every minute of it. Yep. And everybody in the place will love it For sure. because you went for it, yes. you know? 
and uh and i would definitely be the one that gets up there and just couldn't leave it all out there and Absolutely. so <laughs> that's that was what i was thinking about around risk right like for sure um you know we talked about innovation mm-hmm. and risk taking and trying new things and and i think it's important to go for it yeah right we'll call it full send that's what full the, that's, send. that's what the kids say these days i think at I, least okay um and i think this leads us right into um we'll, we'll, i'll just go ahead and mention um innovative bird um yeah. Man, we'll go with, uh, it was in my head, it has left me. We may have to come back to our innovative bird unless right. you've got one. I, I don't, I, okay. but I, I want to hear what you had. So if okay. you think of it, bring yeah, it back Yeah, we'll come it. back to it. Uh, but I think this leads us right into this idea of passion um, because one of the phrases that I see on signs out at the mountain bike park I ride is this idea of like uh, roll it, ride it, and send it. Okay. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, you can tie these two together by saying that um, you, you've got to know like where you're going and what you're doing. Like yeah. there's, there's a level of, um, understanding that needs to be there. You write it. So you kind of get a, you get a feel for it. You, hmm. you, you, you know, kind of like get the plan together, all those types of things, but then you send it. And it's like what you say that like most injuries that happen out on the, I would say the skateboard park or mm-hmm. the mountain bike park is because of hesitation. Hmm. And I think this is where passion really comes in. Because if you're not really that passionate about something, you're not going to full send into something. I don't know anybody who's really just not that jazzed about skateboarding that goes out and drops their weight fully into a bowl. (laughs) Um, I took my wife mountain biking the first time. She really wasn't that jazzed about it. (laughs) And so therefore, she did not full send. Um, And we actually had the nastiest wipeout that uh, she's ever had. Um, Actually, like coming right back into the parking lot. Oh, <laughs> and so, no. um, and so passion to me is what really makes up for that. When, mm. um, when there's something that, um, you aren't just super pumped about, let's say that you're yeah. in a job where there's like certain tasks that you, man, you love, like you love your role, but then there's kind of those day to day things that just, ugh, yeah, you just got to do. Yeah. Passion is where it's going to take that to that next level and be like, Hey, even in these like kind of kind of boring mundane day-to-day task i'm still working towards this vision right. this end goal um and those those people to me those passionate people having those people on your team that that's that's the game changer yeah um you can have honesty and you can have these things and like you said the service mm-hmm. is one of those big kind of like um pendulum type um marks to have right but i think i think passion is equally up there because you got people walking into work each day with just kind of a blank stare on their face and they're there just to basically work till five and i'm just ready to rock and and go yeah um versus somebody who's there and they're full sending yeah and they're they're giving it all they got man um that's a yeah those are the people i want on my team so if you didn't catch on, number eight is passion. Yeah. And and it says, believe in your cause and be willing to fight for it. Mm-hmm. So I know we talked about that quite a bit, so we don't have to spend a whole lot more time on it. But what would you say are the downsides to a team or an organization that lacks in passion? Hmm. Yeah, I think I think they're going to get lost in those in those kind of not so exciting like areas. Yeah. Um, I think when an organization, let's say you got a couple of people who start a nonprofit around a cause that they're super pumped about. Um, yeah. Like 
passion is one of those things that you're going to need to be able to make it through the budget meetings, <laughs> to be able to make it through the board meetings. Yeah. Um, because those are the things that you recognize. Yes, these are important hmm. and they're super boring for some people. <laughs> some people love that stuff and I'm so thankful for them. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of people, that's not really like what we get buzzed about. And so sitting through those things allows us to continue to move, doing the things we don't want to do so yeah. that we can do more of what we like really want yeah. to do like that thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and passion is just where we get so much of the energy from. Mm -hmm. Like you can even have good things, things that are not budget meetings or whatever. Uh, but if you lack passion for it, even the, the things that are not budget meetings mm -hmm. are going to become heavy and, and laborious. Right. Totally. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's talk birds. You got the one for the seven and then the eight, man, I like have completely lost my, uh, my innovative bird. Uh, oh, it was seagulls. That's what it was. Okay. So seagulls, because you think about their name, seagulls, so they're supposed to be by the ocean. Uh -huh. But man, I'll see seagulls like 60 miles inland huh. um, trying to find new innovative ways to find <laughs> food and like and stuff. And it's the funniest thing when you're driving through like downtown Redlands, which is a desert town, uh -huh. and all of a sudden a seagull a swoops seagull. down and steals a fry out of your hand. It's like, uh, what in the world? That's amazing. So, um, and then in regards to passion, man, um, I don't know. I feel like a, I feel like just a real solid ostrich is like okay. right in there with the passion, dude. Okay, why is that? I, I this is this is gonna sound really weird. I've actually like been almost face to face like with an ostrich at one of those drive-through uh -huh, zoos. Uh -huh. That's terrifying. And I've never been more intimidated in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Ostriches, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I know I know there's that stereotype about eights of kind of being you know bulldozers in a sense. But man, there's something about eights that like they just carry that confidence on their shoulders of like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. And I feel like an ostrich, if they want to make it happen, oh, they'll you make it happen. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I love that. All right, so last one here is teamwork. Okay, All right, leverage each other's strengths to maximize your collective impact. Yeah. Why does that one matter? Uh, what do you think around that one? Man, so I just got to talk with my, my sister-in-law. Um, last night, we were talking some Enneagram stuff over dinner, mm -hmm. and we were talking about, you know, just different gifts that, you know, we feel like we've, we bring to the table. And I told her as a nine that I think one of the things that nines do so well is they create space for people to kind of show up to a table. And I make that reference just a lot because it's kind of like, we're all sitting around a table, we're all contributing different right. things. You yeah, know, yeah. we're we're partaking in kind of this one thing, but we're all contributing yeah. different things. And so nines have this like almost superpower of being able to create this space where other people can come. Like they're not gonna hoard that um kind of position or that power. Mm. Like they wanna create a space where um multiple people can come and like contribute and be right. a part of that. And so teamwork it's like we going back to the LeBron James thing. Yeah. Is let's say hypothetically that like overnight LeBron James turns into the most team oriented player yeah. that has ever played in the NBA. Unstoppable. I mean, yeah. Unstoppable. Like, yeah. and if he even takes a position, kind of a backseat position where he's going to leverage his years and years of experience. Um, yeah. His, his, all the things that he's learned as a as a player and try to raise up people to be like that caliber. Yeah. Dude, like mind blowing. Well, you know, I was listening to somebody talk today about 
uh, teamwork and and just like what makes the best teams the best teams. Mm. Uh, and, and he was talking like historically, like teams oh, that, wow. that didn't lose games for years, right? Mm. That dominated their sports over long periods of time. Uh, what makes them the best? And one of the things he talked about was what you just said, like taking to have one player to take their massive amount of experience and kind of not necessarily be out front and mm. the most obvious person, but to be kind of the senior leader shepherd of a team and he talked about uh the golden state warriors okay and how you've got again if you're not a basketball fan sorry we're going to lose you for a minute here but (laughs) but you've got all of these incredible players uh that that i mean kids just want to be steph curry right Uh, you and i used to play basketball together and think about the number of times we would be playing against people who would throw up a (laughs) three-pointer from half court and what would they say every single curry (laughs) yeah every single time uh, but you, I mean, you don't only have him. You got Clay Thompson. Yeah. You got uh, Draymond. Oh my gosh! Now they've got. Well, they had Durant. Um, you know, it's, it's it's stacked, right? Yeah. But you know, this guy I was listening to today, who who said was the player that embodied what we're talking about. Any guesses? Mm-mm. He says Igadala. Oh yeah. He's the experienced veteran yes. on the team that yes. wasn't in the front row. Really, I mean, uh, he he's obviously incredible, uh, of course. But he wasn't. Nobody's like throwing up stuff on the court and being like Igadala. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, but he said that he was the one that kind of shepherded and guided mm. the players on that team that may have been more talented, but were younger and needed that kind of guidance gotcha. in order to work together as a team. Mm. And so I think it's so important for teams and businesses or or whatever. Yeah. To have at least one person for sure. playing that role, for sure. but to have a culture overall that values mm. that role and values teamwork in general. Otherwise, again, we go back to that whole idea of a collection of, of individuals, mm-hmm. right? Maybe super talented individuals, mm. but at the end of the day, that doesn't translate to wins for the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you could sum all of this up by saying that, okay, these other eight marks, they happen within the context of teamwork. Yeah. Is like these eight are only going to exist in individual people outside of teamwork. Mm. Um, and so the teamwork and, and an invitation to teamwork is what's going to kind of set the, the, the table for these things to kind of rub off on other people. So you have somebody who values service. You have yeah. somebody who values honesty. Well, in the, the context of teamwork, now that becomes a mark for all of us yeah. instead of just us as individuals. Um, and I think then it even goes to the next level of now we're individually growing in our weak areas yeah. because we're moving towards a common goal together um, and trying to become better versions of ourselves and better versions of our organization and better versions of us as leaders in order to do that. Yeah, oh, I love that. All right, last time I'll ask you this question. Give me a bird for the motivational poster. We're going to go with geese. Geese. I think this is incredible, and I want you to explain why, though, Because, but I'm totally on board already. I know ducks do this as well, but the whole like V thing, yes. when I first learned about this, it was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, but the idea that geese fly in the patterns that they do because of draft and all these things, that it actually creates a system 
in which they don't have to work as hard. Yes. And so the it's like it's like drafts when you see a bunch of bike riders or runners running in front of or behind each other. Um, is that because of the work somebody's doing in front of you, and the and it affects the the work the person doing yes. what they're doing behind you, and it's just fascinating. And so yes. I can't think of a more team oriented um, thing in nature. Dude, that's um, good. Yeah. So it's love cool. that. Love that. All right. So a couple minutes left. We'll we'll wrap this up. When you think of all nine of these, I'm gonna go through them again real quick. Integrity, service, efficiency, honesty, uh, learning trust, innovation, passion, and teamwork. Mm. When you think of all of those together, I mean, that's that's a, a lot. It's a lot. Right? Yeah. It could be overwhelming for a team or for a leader of a team to be like, oh, my goodness, we've got we to gotta do all of this, right? <laughs> yeah. So what would you say to a leader who's listening to this now and is just like, geez, Louise, like, we're good at some of these, but mm. how am I supposed to focus on all of those things? Yeah. What would you say to that person? Um. You mean like practically, like what are, what are some, some next steps? Yeah, like what encouragement would you give? Yeah, yeah maybe some next steps. Um, just, you know, we've we've downloaded a lot of information. For sure. Right now. For sure. And so, yeah, how, what, what do they do now? How do they yeah. not get discouraged with all of this? I would say right out of the gate, like identify what you do really well. Like mm. start with what, start with the wins here. Um, sit down with your team and say, hey, like out of this list, out of this list of nine, what are we crushing it in? Right. Start with the wins. Um, talk about that. Process that with your team. And then sit down and maybe pick out like three or four that are maybe some ones that, okay, we do okay, but we could do a lot better. And then really identify and focus in on the ones that we just have overlooked altogether. Yeah. Um, and then make a plan. Yeah. Like find, like filter the things that you do, the products that you were like, you know, that you uh, create or different things like that, the services that you offer, filter those through these things and try to come up with some practical ways that like, how can we value service a little bit more in the, right. Um, in our car wash or, um, you know, and I mean, even for you, Ron, I know that you do this when you go and do these presentations and you're going and trying to consult teams and help them grow in these areas. I know that you're doing that in this stuff is like, Hey, when I do these presentations, how, how can I be more honest? How can I be more efficient with their time? Yeah. Um, and so... Well, you know, it's funny. We didn't really plan it this way, but I've actually had this conversation four different times this month with no like way. four different teams where uh, we sat down and we didn't use these exact words, but we used the Enneagram to plot out different motivations and values and mm-hmm. things like that. And then after we had a list of basically nine categories, just like this, uh, I had them rank them for their organization, right? And so that's not to say that, you know, numbers in eight eight and nine are ones they don't care about or things they're bad at, but just to be able to rank, like, we are better at this than we are at this, right? So uh, part of that is what you're saying, celebrating the wins Mm -hmm. and things that are just, they're great at. But then it's also identifying the things like, okay, if we are going to work on something, Mm. let's look at these couple at the bottom of the ranking, right? And how can we put things in place, practices, mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. to to begin working on that. For sure. And so it's a really good exercise. I've had a great month doing that with different teams and organizations. Um, and I think kind of the thing to wrap this up with, what I, what I want to say, and it's written here on these notes, is uh, a healthy team isn't necessarily perfect in all of these areas, uh, but they're aware of the places that they fall short 
and are actively pursuing growth in those areas. Mm. Uh, and I, I say that because I want that to be a big encouragement to any leaders that might be listening and being like, dang it, like we, <laughs> we've missed it on half of these. It's yeah. like, well, okay, you don't have to be killing it in these areas. Mm. A healthy team, now, I mean, if you're just nailing it on all of these, that's awesome. Mm. Uh, but a healthy team is not just a team that is, you know, killing it on all of these. But a healthy team understands what these are and is actively working on them and aware of the places that they're not killing it. Yep, that sure. I think is is more important mm-hmm. than just getting you know an A plus on every one of these. Absolutely, yeah. And I, and just to be practical, like to to roll out of this in that way is let's say that you're a leader who is passionate and you value service, um, and then you go to your team and you you kind of say, hey, we're not really valuing a, a lot of these marks just by having an honest conversation where mm-hmm. you can can have an um, an honest evaluation of where you are, you've already checked off honesty, efficiency, um, integrity, trust, um, and trying to be innovative um, and finding new ways to go about this. And that's only going to increase the culture and teamwork there. Yeah. So um, you're not far off. This yeah. is not something that you're you're going to be working on for the next um, year. You can actually take steps on this tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an encouraging thing um, to know. Yeah. Well, I love that. And um, you know, this one more thought. I'm going to end with this. And this is could be a whole other podcast or series <laughs> of podcasts. But I was just thinking too about if you're building a team, yeah. right? If you're trying to hire new people, and what if you geared interview questions around these nine things? Totally. Because if you can hire somebody who who has like good qualities in these categories, I mean, maybe not even all of them, but mm. but these are all things you'd want to measure. I mean, no one wants someone who doesn't care about integrity on their team, <laughs> yeah. right? No one wants sure. somebody who who is not passionate about it. And mm. so, uh, again, that's a whole other podcast episode that maybe we'll do someday. But, but even when you're building your team or just when you're trying to grow and develop your team or your own leadership or your team values, company values – I think this list is incredibly helpful to have in front of you um, and just to, to keep kind of top of mind as you go. Absolutely. Good stuff. So, All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of another Enneagram podcast and this little mini series that we, uh, that we ended up putting together here. So glad you were able to join us and we'll see you on the next episode of another Enneagram podcast. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast. As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram, and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know, reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram or at another Enneagram or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Another Enneagram Podcast.